Yes, the word today is Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Let's leave your Bibles turned on, uh, and we're going to have a little dig into that passage in a few moments. Um, but before, I'm going to start with something a bit controversial. You like that, don't you? Okay, it's, it's going to divide us. It's going to, I'm just warning, it's going to divide us. Some people are going to get filled with pride. Others are going to fill with sort of anger. Um, but just prepare. Are you ready? Who's ever been upgraded in an airplane? And any, anyone, anyone going, yeah, that was me? Any me's? Okay, we, 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 do we, how do we feel about that person who got upgraded? See, like I said, it's going to divide it. It's, it's, um, I know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and, and just for those of us who are feeling a little bit of love you really, um, about 18 months ago, um, our, one of the mission trips from our church, they're going to Sierra Leone, and, and they got upgraded on the way to mission. I mean, all but Kevin Leach, one of our elders, he's the, the biggest of the lot. He's a real tall guy, and he's the only one who didn't get upgraded. Um, but everyone else got upgraded. And, um, and, and my daughter was one of the people who got upgraded, and she said, Dad, it was amazing. So the seats are, are wide. Um, they, they fall down flat so you can sleep. And, and they said that the food is way better, and there's gadgets and bigger TV screens and all sorts of things they give you. Is that right, you who was upgraded? Yeah, okay. And... Um, and there's all these amazing it, it, it's for the rest of us it's flying that like we don't know it and okay so so we we can imagine it though can't we, we how many like me have tried to get upgraded <laughs> i've tried i'm, I'm going to okay a little bit of confession i'm going to tell you what i've done and and and, and i'll tell you at, at the end of the nine o'clock someone gave me some more suggestions but okay <laughs> Forget the sermon. This is the only thing they heard. Okay, so what I've done is I, I put, made sure on the ticket was my, my title. I put Reverend Mark Madavan. I never call myself Reverend. Apart from, so hopefully they'll be going, oh, he, he's respectable. He'll get upgraded. Doesn't work. Okay, 
So then I thought, I'll dress smarter, you know, to you know, put a jacket on and look smarter. Like if you're last week, you saw me in a jacket, a little bit smarter. And I thought that will do it because they're going, who, yeah, he looks like a person we should upgrade. Nope, that didn't work either. I've even tried the blindness thing, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm not desperate for really putting the low bar. I even tried that and that didn't work either. And I know, I know, it's, it's, it's really, I keep getting end up in the economy cattle class like the rest of us. Um, you know, I've got ambitions to be up front with that luxury, but the reality is I'm, I'm, with the, I'm, I'm, I'm with all of you guys, and we're just going, we struggle along like this, eating like that, and, and that's about it. You know, that's, that, that's it. And you who are upgrade, we love you, sort of. <laughs> oh, the, the, the point that someone said at the end of the nine, which is a really helpful, okay, if you want to update, he said, this is how you do it. He said, make sure that your birthday is the same as the booking clerk. <laughs> and I said, how do you arrange that? That's really tricky. To so, so why am I talking about this? It, is I think often when it comes to, to, to God, the things of God's kingdom, the good things of God that he wants to do um, in our lives and, and around our families and our community and in our country and in our world, when we hear the good things of God, I think many of us can, can view it a little bit like getting upgraded in an airplane. Is we, we hear that there's some really good things of God. We know there's some fantastic things. And we do our best to you know, dress smartly, do something nice, and hopefully we'll get that. But most of the time is we live in this land of, of, of being cramped and going, well, I'm waiting. Maybe next time it will happen. We know some people get there. But for us, we're feeling, well, I don't know how I get there. And, and I, I want us to unpack and saying that the kingdom of God is something different to that. Um, over this, this term, we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is found in the New Testament. It's a letter written to the church that was in the city of Ephesus. Uh, now, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you'll know Ephesus is, a, is not this little dusty town. It was a city of about 250,000 population. It was a big, bustling city. It was a city, city that was the fourth largest in the Roman Empire. So there was the, the power of, of Rome and the expectations and, and the privilege. That, that influenced the, the very fabric of the city. It was also a free city, which, which meant that if you, although the Roman Empire was there, is that criminals could hide out a little bit there they can dodge some of the laws. Not quite a tax haven, but almost. It was that sort of thing. So there'd be a criminal element in putting that pressure on the city. There was also, it was a financial center. So, and everyone knows the power of money and how money influences the direction it goes. And there was a lot of money in the city. There was also a lot of religious and, and moral haziness for it was the site of one of the seven wonders of the world, a temple to Artemis. And, and part of their worship was that they slept with shrine prostitutes. So the morals in that was an influence of the whole town, of the whole city. There, there was a, a center of culture, a big library and lots of education and the pressure of the academics and the philosophers in there as well. And, and there was a medic place in there and, and, and the new breaking grounds of healing and all that sort of things. So in this city, there was all these pressures and forces of going there. Now imagine being there and bringing up your kids there. So you're thinking, imagine all those pressures. You know, we got social media and, and obviously there's pressures on our kids today. But the people in those days would have felt that same pressures on their families or same pressures on them as well. And in this city of incredible pressures and, and, and forces and things, uh, things changing your life and influencing your life was a thing called God's church. 
There were a few Christians who started, people who started following Jesus and they, they grew and they shared and they shared the life transforming power of Jesus. And, and they saw the, the miracles that followed of lives being changed. And it says the whole region heard about this message of Jesus. And this church grew and grew and it began not just to, to share the news, you know, oh, I believe in Jesus. It impacted their lives and the way that they, um, they, the way that they lived, the way that they shopped, the way that they spoke. It impacted the, the financial center of the city. It impacted the rule, the leadership of the city. It impacted the religion in the city. And it grew and it grew. It was something new. God was doing something that was, was new and greater, that was showing the kingdom of God and changing people's lives and really, really impacting the community. Now, we, we are looking at this book of Ephesians because Paul, the writer of the book, was writing to this church and saying, you know the power of God is doing something and starting something, but there's more of God to come. That God wants to, to do something new that's going to continue to change people's lives and families' lives and the community lives and the city's life. God is one who's moving in a bigger way. And he's writing to this church, not to, to say you're getting it wrong, but to say, guys, align yourselves right. Put yourself in that right position to encounter more of God. If you want to see more of God in your life, you want to see more of God around the community and beyond, then here are some, some teaching points. Here are some helpers to expose ourselves, open ourselves up for more of God's new thing. And if you're with us a couple of weeks ago, you know the letter starts off with, with a really powerful thing is, is remember that God is bigger. Is when you're faced with all the challenges around us, is that God is bigger than the challenges around us. In fact, God is bigger than however big you think God is. God is bigger than that. Our starting point and the point we need to keep coming back to again and again is God is bigger. These Ephesians who are facing these challenges and powers and temptations all around, he kept saying, remember, God is bigger. God is bigger than the threat. God is bigger than that unknown thing. God is bigger than the political power. God is bigger. And that truth is for us to grab hold of as well. In our world that is full of changes and full of unknowns and full of divisions and full of, well, actually Brexit now happens, so everything's sorted, isn't it? Hey. Um, but actually God is still bigger than that. Hallelujah. God is bigger. And Paul says that's our, one of the first foundation points of our starting things, is God is bigger. He then also said in the end of chapter 1, is, and you need to know him better. Our journey of wanting to see more of God is understand that God is bigger, and then keep leaning in, digging in. There's more of his hope, more of his power, and, and, and continue to keep coming back to him, for he is the source. And now he moves on to chapter 2, and he's telling us another sort of a foundation stone, another... Uh, truth of how we see more of God. Yes, God is bigger, is find out more of God, is this third one is this, is, is remember that, that he has created a completely new you. That the move of God is not just an upgrade, he's, complete, he's created a completely new you. In verse 1, he said, once you were dead in your sins and transgressions, and basically now you're alive. Now, from death to life, is that an upgrade? That, that's a serious, that's more than an upgrade, isn't it? That, that's a complete transformation. And Paul is saying, you need to, this is a starting point. Often we get focused on all the challenges and things around us. And he says, no, no, God's bigger than the challenges around you. Keep getting to more, know more of God. And then the challenge around you, remember that God has made a complete new you in the situations that you're facing. That God is in the business of not just being great, of actually fundamentally changing who you are. He's created a new you. For once you were dead in sin and now you're alive. 
So what has it done? Three things, the newness that he brings us, that this completely new you. The first one is this, is he's, he's given us a new status. He's given us a new status. What the status was is we are no longer part of the, the, the kingdom of death and darkness, that we're now part of the kingdom of life. He says you, you were dead in your sins. How many of you guys feel dead? That, that's quite a strong language, isn't it? How many of you say your neighbors, those who don't, they're dead? And, and many of us are going, that's really quite tough language. And because, and okay, let's admit it. How many of you have murdered anyone recently? No, any robbed banks recently? Caused a war recently? You know, you, the truth is, we're, we're not that bad, are we? And I think many of us think we're not that bad. So, so we're not that bad. So when we encounter God, what we think that what God does is God just makes us a little bit better. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ is not that God's going to come in and make your life a little bit better. Make you a little bit nicer. You know, change our community just a little bit more. He's coming in and totally transforming the situation. He is transforming people who were, walked in darkness, who were in death, and moved them into life. The, the problem is, is, is we gray it up. We, we don't see that it's, it's such a massive status change. We think it's just an upgrade, and it's not. Paul says you need to be really clear that God has radically transformed you. When you encounter the life that Jesus brings, it is a radical transformation, transformation from death to life. And there are two kingdoms the Bible talks about. In fact, the, uh, the, the book of Ephesians talks a lot about spiritual warfare. And we're going to look at that in, a, in chapter 6 a little bit later. But, but there's, here's the truth that, that Paul has as, as a backdrop. It, is there are two kingdoms at play. It still happens today. There's, king, there's a kingdom of God and of life. And there's a kingdom of darkness and of death. And the, the Lord of the kingdom of darkness of death, you'll see in this verse, is the, the, um, the spirit of the air. Or the, the spirit, the ruler of this place. Um, there's a name that we may know better by. We call him Satan. Now, some of you are going, ooh, Satan. Is that that little red devil with horns and a little fork? And, uh, and you're going, yeah, you know, that's a little bit, you know, old-fashioned, isn't it? And, and actually, that's one of his ploys. One of the ploys of the evil one is for you to go, oh, no, it's too extreme. We're not that extreme anymore. And then we, we put him down. And, and he's saying, what happens? He said, Paul's going, once you are under the authority of actually the kingdom of the air, the kingdom of our world. And he's pulling you away from God. Because you can't be part of both kingdoms. You're either part of the kingdom of God or you're part of the kingdom of darkness. You can't be part of both. The incredible power of Jesus is that he changes our status from being a citizen of darkness to a citizen of light. It's a radical thing that we need to, to get our heads around. Because when we understand this, this fundamental change in our status, it means that we live and we walk and we approach things in a different way. Let me just talk about the kingdom of darkness a little bit more. Because I think many of us are going, is it really there? We, we all know that there are, there are powers and influences around. Now, we may not call them powers and influences, but I already talked to them about in Ephesus. Because financial power, who gets the sense of, do you know, when, when money comes, it shifts people's minds and attitudes, doesn't it? And, and, and the Bible will say, that's a spiritual force. And, and when morality comes, there's a spiritual force. And, and, and actually it comes with re- other religions and all sorts of things. There are spiritual forces. And what these are trying to do is to pull you away from God. Now you may go, not, not really. And, and the reason why we say not really, or you may go, and that's a bit extreme, Mark, is because one of the enemy's tactics is he, he's subtle. Because if it says, let's hold a seance, you'd all be going, Mark, what are you doing? Because it's quite extreme. But if you're doing something a bit more subtle, then it, we can find ourselves 
treating our normal differently. Way back in Genesis 2, we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And and God says, look, you can have everything, eat from everything apart from one tree. And then we have this scene where the serpent, the the, the spirit of the air, Satan, he comes up to Eve. and, And notice what he does. He goes, did God really say that? Did, did he really say, did he really mean that? And then, well, see, what God was doing is, do you know what? I think God's holding out on you. You know, so it's not you doing something wrong. It's God. He's the one who's doing something wrong. It's God who's trying to restrict your freedom. It's God to do that. And even, well, yeah, well, absolutely. And she fell for it. And the truth is, we continue to fall for it. Because I say that the enemy still continues to do that. We may not see it death and life, but actually that's the labels. But the truth is, is there's an enemy that's still trying to woo us away from all of the truths of God. And we all, we all so easily fall into it. Let me give you an example. Okay, you ready for an example? Confession time. How many have ever got caught by a speeding camera? Okay, so yeah, <laughs> that was a nice nervous laugh. Okay, you got caught. Okay, let me rephrase this. How many know someone got, got caught by a speeding camera? Okay, we know a lot of those. Okay, so, so when that comes into your friend, they get that ticket. How many go, that's so unfair? That's, you know, I was, I was not going that fast. When was the camera last recalibrated? Everybody else was traveling that fast. We're all doing it. And in fact, there are campaigns to stop speed cameras. Oh, they, you know, they should be better. They should be advertised more. We should know. And, and what, what never is a discussion is, I have an idea. Don't speed. Don't cross the line. But what we do is we get outraged. How can they do this? And what happened is, is popular opinion is, is the, aren't speed cameras outrageous? Especially that one going into Southampton when we know we're all going that. See, we're all going outrageous, but actually we're breaking the law. And instead of going, well, change the law, change the law. Why? Because I want to speed. See, now that, that, that's hopefully not that emotive. But, but when it comes to, to our lives, what God is saying is, I've set a way of life. And what the enemy goes is, you know what? God's unreasonable. That's an unreasonable thing to put a camera there. That's an unreasonable restriction to do. And what we have in our society is you should be free to express yourself. You know, morality is, well, what does popular opinion say? And if popular opinion says that, then let's do that. Let's take down some of those barriers of sexuality and definition. Let's take them on. Let's have freedom. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, then have a go. If it feels good, do it. And, and that is a prevailing culture in that, as long as it doesn't hurt. But isn't it interesting that in this culture of so much freedom, mental health is at a high damage Isolation is so acute. Loneliness grabs heart. You're in this time of so much freedom. We just feel that there's more death out here. See, and this is the heart of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is of life and the kingdom of darkness is of death. And Paul is saying, you need to remember, okay, you are in a different kingdom. When Jesus comes to save, he takes you from the kingdom of death and moves you to the kingdom of life. And there's this interesting verse that says, you know, we're deserving of God's wrath. That's not that God is an angry God wanting to punish us. What it is, is that if we live in this, this, this kingdom of darkness, and then we have in us the flesh, that center, that selfish thing where we all want to satisfy our own desires. Let's be honest. We all chase things, things that we probably shouldn't chase. 
And it's lovely when we're justified. How, how many of you go, you want a dessert, and as long as someone else has a dessert, then you feel free, you can have your dessert. Well, really, you wanted the dessert in the first place. But that doesn't just go on dessert. That goes to morality, our sexuality, lots of different things. And what God is saying is that, that position and that kingdom is the pathway that leads away from God. The good news of Jesus Christ is that, that, that he comes and he takes you. You're no longer a citizen of the darkness and death. He makes you a citizen of God. And this is the beginning. He said, look, once you were dead and deserving of, of, of death because you're that path you're going. But because of God's great mercy, what he's done is he saved you. He's changed you. He's given you a new status. We read this in the beginning of Ephesians 1. Is he says, I've come, I've adopted you, I've elected you, I've chosen you, I've given you the seal of my spirit. Is I have totally transformed you. God's new thing isn't this big sweeping of changing things as he changes individuals. Is he comes and saves you and changes your status. When I was 30, so back in the black and white days, long time ago, uh, Kathy bought me a, a real present. I'm not sure if you remember this, Kathy. It, is, it was a behind the scenes uh, um, tour of the, the Hawk Conservancy in Andover. Who, who loves birds of prey and things like that? And I, I love them. I think they're just fantastic things. And you, usually you go in as a normal punter and you, you wander around and you see these birds behind these big shields and cages and stuff. And then you go to displays and they fly birds and catch them back and things. Um, but I got behind the scenes. And what that meant is all the you know, staff-only places, we got to go. So we went actually behind. And then they, they, they allowed us to fly some of the birds. No, they flew themselves. What it meant is, is um, they gave you a glove as in flap, flap. They knew how to do that. Uh, is is you, you would hold a little bit of dead rat in your hand. And, and from afar, the bird would come down and you would catch. And there was this big, I remember this huge one. Of, we, we started, and you're going, oh, this is heavy. And then they had a little, an owl, about that big. And you're going, I, I found it fascinating. But one of the coolest things of the whole day is for a couple hours in the middle of the day, they gave you a hawk for you to take care of. They give you a glove and it sat on your, and you, and then you walked around the site with all the other people around. You walked around and all, and, and you just carried it the whole way. And, and what's really cool is because everyone's going, oh, can I take a picture? Oh, how long have you had that? About 10 minutes. <laughs> no, you didn't do that to fall off. You, 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 yeah, you'd have to go. <laughs> a while, a while. <laughs> and it was, I, I loved it. I was, it was, it was a cool present. Uh, so, but what happened is, is my status had changed. Because we've, we've been there before and we were just normal guests, but my status has changed. And with this changed status, what it meant is I walked around differently. I, I went to different places. I, I, was a, I, was my, my state, I was still the same person, but I was allowed to do different things. I saw things differently. They treated me differently. It's because something had changed. My status has changed. Well, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, you were once of the darkness. You were once of a different camp. You're once of a different kingdom. But what Jesus does is you're made alive in Christ and you're a different kingdom. Your status has changed. So whatever you face, guys, from today, whatever you face when you walk out, when you go to your home, when you go to your work, is you are now changed. You are part of the kingdom of God. It's different. Remember a couple of years ago, people had those, bra- those little um, bracelets, what would Jesus do? Anyone have one of those? And it was a good prompt because you'd think, oh, what would Jesus do in this situation? And it was a good prompt, but actually this is something more than that. It's not just what would Jesus do, but, but you are Jesus in that situation. 
This change of status as you are alive in Christ, with Christ, is that you are Christ in these situations. When we walk into the, our, the, those powers and different situations around us, is our status change is that we are now Christ in those because we have been risen with Christ. This is a really fundamental thing to get around. Because I think so often we can think, well, I'm, I'm not really there and it's only for other people. It says, no, do you know if you're a follower of Jesus, if so, when he saves you, he changes you. You carry around Christ in you and you are in Christ. So those ch- faces, those challenges that you're, you're facing is actually you have this, you are a completely new you because Christ is in you. I wonder what situations are you facing now? Are you, you're walking into and you're going, God, will you help me? God, will you help me? And God's going, I am with you. You are the Jesus in that situation because that's what he does. Once you are dead to your sin, And now you're alive in Christ because of his great mercy. You are Christ in those situations. But there's something more he does because the verse carries on. And it says that you have been been raised up with Christ in him. And and so this next thing is is he has changed our status, but he's also changed our position. Now I've been struggling with these words, so just give me some some flex hopefully on this one. The picture has been raised up. Have you ever been in in a kitchen with 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 a little small adult? child, I think they call them, don't they? And, and they're wanting to do, and they're, they're tugging on your trousers, they're always looking up with you, and you get to the point, you're going, do you know what? And you lift them up, and you sit them on the, on the worktop. Has that ever happened? Do you do that? And it changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden, as opposed to nagging down there, they're with you, and they chat with you, and they can see, and they, they know what you're doing, and they're involved with this. See, this is an extra, a great truth uh, of what God's doing in you and done in me, this complete change is that not this is just a change of status, but it's also a change of position, is that we have been raised up with Christ. At the book, at the beginning of Ephesians 1, it says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because of Jesus. What we read here is that we are sat with Jesus with that blessing, is that we are sat with Jesus. What does that mean in real terms? It's really important thing to get our heads around because it's not just Jesus is in us when we walk into some of these situations is that we also are lifted above and we have that Jesus perspective and authority in situations as well so, so this is a keep get ahead this is not saying oh you're really important and you're really powerful and you can judge everyone no no if you read the verse a little bit more why we're raised up there is, is to show God's kindness and God's grace and God's glory that's why we're there but this is a really important thing to do because because when we face challenges in our lives and around us, it's not that we're just Jesus in there. It's that we also have that authority to change our position to look down. And all the power and glory of Jesus, all of his might and reign, is we look from that perspective. And we can bring that into it. This is, I wonder, are you facing some situations now where you're just going, oh, I wish Jesus would step in? What this scripture says is you have been changed. Completely changed. Not just change in status, but, but you're going, Jesus, can we bring this into this situation? God, can your authority, because you are above these enemies, the challenges that are around us, the powers and principalities around us, because we are still in a battle, guys. Although Jesus has won, the enemy has not given up yet. One day, Jesus is going to come and sort it all out, but he has won the victory because he wants us to have the opportunity to, to know more of him. And in this battle, we'll look at this in Ephesians 6 in a couple of weeks' time. But this position of Jesus' victories, we apply. So that situation you're at work, that situation with that really annoying person, 
That situation over finances, that situation over health, is not just what would Jesus do in these situations, but Jesus, what authority can you bring in? What truth can we pray in? Now remember, our position is not because we're good. We do not get upgraded because we wear nice suits or we have reverend in front of our names. We're upgraded because it's a gift of God. It's not by work so that no one can boast. I love that verse. But I'm also very, 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 very aware that so often I ignore that verse. Because how many of you are trying to earn God's glove? How many trying to earn? And we think that they must be really good. That's why God's using them. The Bible says, no, no, no. It's not by work so that no one can boast. It's by the grace of God. He has changed our status. He's put us above and he speaks in those situations. It's those, those situations that we face. The way that God wants to change our world is by being in us. And actually us bringing the authority of God into it as well. Not for our glory, but for his. The final transformation is that verse 10. For you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. Created by God for, to do good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. Now, now this is really important. I just need to go back a little bit. We talked about, you know, going into situations and being Jesus in those situations. And we talked about bringing the authority of God in, in situations. But many of us struggle on a fundamental thing of going, yeah, but I'm not very good. I'm not, you know, because God's stepping. God, will you just step in? Or God, will you send someone who's really good at this? And we tend to rule ourselves out because we're aware of our failures. We're aware that, do you know what? I know I've been moving death to life, but I still try to follow my own pressures a bit too much. And we rule ourselves out. And what Paul says, what scripture says, is that, that God hasn't chose you because no one else was available. God, God, God didn't go, well, yeah, okay, I guess you'll do. He doesn't say that. Neither is God making the best of a bad job either. What God is saying is, I've chosen you. Ephesians 1, you have been predestined. You have been elected. You have been adopted. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been shown grace. You've been shown wisdom. You've been shown understanding. Well, not you, you have been. And God says, you are crafted and I love you. And I, I ha- you, you are brilliant because I've called you. I've called you and you are brilliant. And I've got a job for you to do. And the job that God has for you to do is not to be good. God's job is not, now earn this. God's job is not behave yourself. Now we need to behave ourselves and stuff and follow God's rules, definitely. But that's not the job that God has for us. God's job is not, will you bring all the sacrifice to earn your forgiveness? No, 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 no. The job is, I've got some good jobs for you to do. Because I've got a big plan and I want to use you. I've got a job for you. Will you do it? I've got a new purpose for you. Will you do it? I know you don't feel great. I know you don't feel, but you know, it's not about you. It's about me. I've chosen you. I've given you. I've gifted you. And I've got a great plan. And would you do it? There are some things that God has planned that just for you to do. I don't know if it's big or small. I don't know, but I know it's good. I don't know if it's just a quiet word with someone, but I know it's good. I don't know if it's going to be to, to feed, to stop famine in the world. I don't know, but it's good. And God says, I have crafted you for this time. We prayed for Jess just a few minutes ago. God has crafted her for, she's going to Nepal and God has a job for her, just for her to do. And it's not because she's really spiritual. It's because she's a child of God. God has a job for you to do. 
It may be at home. It may be here. It may be somewhere else. If we want to see new things of God, we need to remember that God is big. We need to just commit to know more of him. And lastly, we need to go, God, you've changed me. And I want to step in your light and live in that. I, I want to step and walk in that new status. I, I, want to, I want to know that new position. And I want to know your new purpose. It's all glory to you, God. For when we know that, it changes everything.